According to the United Nations Refugee Agency, there are currently over 22 million refugees in the world. Add to that to the number of people all over the world who immigrate to other countries every year, and that equals a whole lot of people on the move. Many refugees and immigrants come to America and other developed countries every year. As Adventist Christians, how can we reach out to these people groups and make a difference? Hi, this is Esther Lowe. In this episode of the GYC Beyond podcast, I sit down to a conversation with David Scow. With a passion for mission, both overseas and in America, David Scow is currently working for the organization Reach the World Next Door. Join with us as we discuss ways to reach out to refugees and immigrants in our local communities. Welcome to the GYC Beyond podcast, David. Thank you for joining us and feeling willing to share with us about some of what you're doing with refugees. So before we start, I just wanted to get people to know you a bit better and find out what's important to you, who you are as a person. So could you let us know something about your background, where you're from, and how you got to be involved with Reach the World Next Door? Well, I spent a lot of my my growing up in West Africa, Mm -hmm. uh, so got a bit of that uh, international perspective. I got involved with Reach the World Next Door after spending a year and a half in Egypt, mm-hmm. uh, working in, in publishing in the, in the Middle East. All right, so as a young person, when you were growing up, were you in the Adventist church? Were your parents involved in the church? Uh, did you become I was. involved? You were. I, I was. My parents were in the church. Mm-hmm. I, I was involved. I got more involved and more uh, intentionally involved as I moved through through college, mm-hmm. um, and actually toward the end of college, when I made a more intentional commitment, got some some training, mm-hmm. uh, and that's probably when I got most uh, biggest transition in getting mm-hmm. more involved. That's really awesome. So it was more like a progression for you, a little bit of right. involvement at the beginning, and then it grew and it grew and it grew. Right. Um, I'm wondering if you could share with me a defining moment in your life, or one of them that you can think of where the the need for refugees or mission work in general became apparent to you it actually probably would be in sitting in a in a home outside of sacramento after college Mm -hmm. i was doing a bible study uh, Mm -hmm. which was one of the first bible studies that i had done with people Mm -hmm. uh, uh, like an evangelistic type bible study and i if i remember right at the end of it the the young man I was studying with it was about uh, accepting Christ as your savior mm-hmm. and he he had never done that before and wow. coming from a background of being in the church and most of my friends and social circles being uh-huh. in the church that really hit home to me uh, to re- realize that there were people who had not really ever faced that reality of a, of a savior mm. and I, I came away saying this is this is real now. This is not just a blessing for him, but mm-hmm. working for God with God also gives a, an insight into God's heart as the mm. the kind of joy and excitement uh, that I hadn't felt. Uh, but having spent the time personally with him and mm-hmm. and even laboring in, in prayer to bring him to that point, uh, there was a lot more joy in his uh-huh. decision than I would have imagined before (laughs) i like how you said that at the end there's a lot more joy than you could have imagined and that you hadn't really thought about somebody not having christ in their life 
and accepted him before. Mm-hmm. That was a, a completely new encounter and experience. And you really got you got to see the importance of that because you were involved. Right. So we have this experience where you're giving Bible studies and you suddenly realize this need that exists where people have never accepted Jesus before. Uh, do you have any other experiences that also kind of pushed you towards being involved? Another experience that gave me more of that sense of urgency and of the of some of God's heart maybe with, with outreach um, was another spot doing a Bible studies actually. Mm-hmm. Um, this time was part of a uh, a student mission volunteer type here that I spent in Peru and mm-hmm. part of it I, I shadowed I wasn't uh, fluent enough in Spanish to really be an independent Bible worker um, but I was was accompanying a an experienced Peruvian Bible worker and learning from him and we were giving Bible studies uh, in, a, in a church that had been planted and then kind of died out mm. it was kind of discouraged at the small church without a lot of support. Uh, mm-hmm. Districts are big, and and uh, pastor wasn't would have twenty churches, so mm-hmm. couldn't be there uh, very often to try and encourage this new church. And it was in a in a home of a woman who had been one of the baptized mm-hmm. members, and um, got to know the family. And she had it was a kind of sad story. Her her husband was alcoholic and mm. abusive, and she had a, a daughter in about eighth grade. 14 or 15 years old, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. And the Peruvian gentleman, Micaeus, um, asked if she was going to go to school the next year. Mm-hmm. And the, she, the mom said, well, we don't have money to pay for the uniform. School's free, but notebooks and, and uniform, and we don't, can't afford it. Uh-huh. And he, he didn't have a lot of money, but he volunteered to, to pay for that for them. Wow. Uh, to, she had one more year to finish her primary education or elementary mm-hmm. school and so we came back the next week and said can we go you know go do the shopping and the mom said well actually she decided she doesn't want to she ran off to the jungle rivers with her alcoholic boyfriend and decided not to to take your offer and I was really discouraged after that mm-hmm. I sat uh, in a park uh, the next day or so um, just asking God, what is the point of, of all of this? Mm-hmm. And I felt like I heard from him, now, now you have a little bit more of a feeling of how I feel um, <laughs> when I see you um, and so many other people turn mm-hmm. down such my, the offers mm-hmm. that I have for you of, of a hope in a future. And you should know mm-hmm. uh, how, how much I'm offering you wow. just as much as she should know what kind of choice she is making to choose what she's already seen in her own family mm. as as not a good thing. There's there's um, what I'm hearing is two completely different experiences that you had. One was a positive where mm-hmm. this person ex, you know experiences a desire and they accept Jesus in their life for the first time, mm-hmm. and then the other one is is a negative. Really, you extend an offer to completely change this person's life so that she can finish school and have hope for a better future. And she turns it down mm-hmm. for an alcoholic boyfriend. Um, so these knowing, two changes... <laughs> knowing what an alcoholic, abusive yes. family can be. Right, knowing that already. And, and then seeing that, you can feel in your life, I, I guess, that God is trying to work through all kinds of people, including your own life, mm-hmm. 
to bring them to a knowledge of Jesus yeah. and better their lives. So when we come and we talk about refugees and immigrants in particular, you know, that story in Peru was overseas. Mm-hmm. And the story that you shared before when you're in college, that was in America? Yes. Okay. What about if you don't have the money or you just haven't got the opportunity to go overseas, but you feel called to work with refugees or immigrants, or you're just curious, what's something that we can learn about them? What kind of people groups live in America? Um, What kind of religions and backgrounds do they come from? There's a huge variety of people in America. It's it's called the melting pot Mm -hmm. for a reason. I know the most detail about Houston, where I've been mm-hmm. when working. Just within the Houston area, we have a large Chinese immigrant mm-hmm. population that have been for a long time, uh, Vietnamese population mm-hmm. um, that have been there decades as well. But we've also been working uh, personally with a Cambodian wow. a community. Uh, actually, that one feels like a two or three, a, a small neighborhood worth mm-hmm. of almost just picked up from Cambodia and moved. Everyone in there has a Buddhist temple in the neighborhood, but also just a huge mix of people all all through uh, Houston. Mm -hmm. And Houston is one of the most diverse places, but that's not the only place. Wow, Uh, yeah. It's anywhere that you go, there are people from different parts of the world Mm -hmm. uh, anywhere you go, if you you have your eyes open for it. Mm -hmm. Um, I've and met people in gas stations and grocery stores um, right just just there's also you can you can look up where some different ethnicities mm-hmm. are with different resources mm-hmm. uh, peoplegroups.info or uh, has some on if you have a major metro area near you you can look mm-hmm. up what the uh, more larger ethnic mm-hmm. groups are in your area does America's immigration policy have anything to do with where these people groups end up at? There is. Um, I'm not deeply into the resettlement uh-huh. process to know, but there, there are parts of the policy that determines where in America mm-hmm. they're sponsored to as refugees. Okay. As immigrants, people have freedom to move right. to where they choose to. So. So, so there's really like this two reasons that people might be here from some of these countries. They're immigrants or they're refugees, and if they're refugees then they may have been settled in a program. Right. And so they all kind of tend to be in the same or similar locations. Yeah, the, with refugees, there will be certain cities that are identified mm-hmm. as having good socioeconomic conditions okay. and, and room in the city. You know, They have housing, they have uh-huh. jobs, they have an agency that's willing to support them for a while. Um, and so that mm-hmm. determines the cities that they're placed in small to medium to large cities right uh, it doesn't all it's not always a large city for refugee placements mm-hmm. what uh, religions do these people groups come from you can have again with refugees it mm-hmm. tends to be primarily from places that have disruption okay. uh, war or uh, unrest um, so recently, a lot of the U.S. refugees, and it kind of goes in waves as, mm-hmm. as world events happen. Uh, recently, we've had a lot of refugees from Afghanistan, mm-hmm. from Iraq, mm-hmm. and from uh, also the Horn of Africa, Somalia, Sudan, mm-hmm. uh, Libya, uh, to some extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, historically, we've had uh, Vietnam, uh, Southeast Asia, mm-hmm. um, Cambodia, etc. Wow, I think this is a really great opportunity, right, to be in a Christian country without even leaving America 
impact people from all these different religious backgrounds like uh, Muslim or Buddhist or Hindu or you know, mentioning earlier Chinese um, that's a country that has historically been really hard to reach it's it's true and many of those those places are also some of the most difficult mm-hmm. places for Christian work in those countries mm-hmm. um, because of the war and because uh-huh. many of them come from quite close societies, uh, strongly Muslim societies. Mm-hmm. Um, another group we haven't me- mentioned uh, that is international students as oh, well. Oh, wow, yeah. Um, we have students, it's kind of a prestige thing. Many mm-hmm. of the world leaders ha- took their, their university education in the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, so right now we probably have the future leaders of who knows Saudi Arabia, Indonesia, studying mm-hmm. in American universities right now. And unfortunately, many of those international students may spend four or more years here and never really mm. make a deep American friend. They may not wow. ever have a meal in an American home. Wow. But that's a huge opportunity that if is. you're a, a university student. Uh-huh. Uh, Especially if you are at a university that has a lot of international Mm -hmm. students, uh, public universities often, to open your eyes for these international Mm -hmm. students that may be in the U.S. in a place that's easy to reach them for a short window of time. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) And we also have, I don't know, I should should even share the quote from Evangelism. Oh yeah, please, please share the quote. 570. It might take me a second to pull it up. That's fine. I, I was actually thinking, I think we're thinking of the same quote, and I would love for you to pull that up right now. But just going back where you said that there's, you know, there's people who spend four years here and they've never even eaten a meal in an American person's house. I mean, that, that's a really simple way to start ministry, right? It, it really Invite is. Invite people over for a meal. Yeah, inviting people over for a meal, or if you're in a, a dorm situation, you can choose to say, you know, can, can we eat mm-hmm. together in cafeteria or at a, mm-hmm. at a, at a restaurant as well. Um, but friendship can be mm-hmm. a powerful opportunity, a powerful window into people's lives. Right. And, you know, uh, from my own background here, I've spent a lot of time in the past working with international students at university campuses, and I also spent some time in Lebanon and different places. And I think it's it's not just for them, but it's also for us. Because what I've noticed is it grows me, mm-hmm. grows us in our perspective of the world and, and other people and what we can learn uh, by interacting with them. So it, it's it's a growing experience when we invite people and spend time with them. Oh, it's, it's a joy. Yeah. Um, so you have that quote for us. I do, yes. It's from the book Evangelism, page 570. Uh-huh. It says, great benefits would come to the cause of God in the regions beyond Mm -hmm. if faithful effort were put forth Mm -hmm. in behalf of the foreigners in the cities of our homeland. Mm -hmm. Talking about the U.S., though it could apply to other places if you're somewhere else too. Among these men and women are some who, upon accepting the truth, would soon be fitted to labor for their own people in this country and in other countries. Mm -hmm. Many might return to the places from which they came in the hope of winning their friends to the truth. Hmm. They could search out their kinsfolk and neighbors and communicate to them a knowledge of the third angel's message. Wow. Um, actually, I started before I usually do. Uh-huh. Can, uh, yeah. Keep going. God would be pleased to see far more accomplished by his people in the presentation of the truth for this time to the foreigners in America than has been done in the past. 
As I have testified for years, if we were quick in discerning the opening providences of God, we would be able to see in the multiplying opportunities to reach many foreigners in America, a divinely appointed means of rapidly extending the third angel's message into all the nations of the earth. God in his providence has brought men to our very doors and thrust them, as it were, into our arms that they might learn the truth and be qualified to do a work we could not do in getting the light before men of other tongues. Tell me more about that last line, that they can do a work that we cannot do. Yes. So, uh, in a lot of avenues, you know, mm-hmm. to reach people, it helps if you can speak their language, or at right. least the same language that they, <laughs> a language they speak, uh, even better if it's the language that is close to their heart. Uh-huh. Um, if you understand their culture, uh, it can help if you have the legal right to be in the same geographic area. No kidding. <laughs> um, so um, language, culture, and, and proximity. Uh, getting visas to go mm-hmm. to Saudi Arabia or Sudan is really almost impossible. Right. <laughs> um, may, you know, God can do incredible things, and he does through people uh-huh. who may have other uh, tent-making skills or go mm-hmm. as students. Um, but as far as going with a clear missionary purpose, mm-hmm. it's it's not allowed. Then language, um, from just from my own personal <laughs> experience, it takes a long time, uh, even after a year and a half in mm-hmm. Egypt, and doing more <laughs> language study than most people around me did, uh, I was still far from able to uh-huh. fluently communicate. Uh, about spiritual topics. I, I can relate to that from being in Lebanon. One person told me that it takes an average seven years to learn Arabic fluently. <laughs> right. But here we have immigrants, refugees, Im- uh-huh. international students who have put out the effort or are putting out the effort mm-hmm. to learn English. Right. And so we can communicate in a shared language. Yeah. And and that can also be an opportunity as well for mm-hmm. ministry and connecting to people if there are people that are wanting to practice mm-hmm. English or to have awesome. extra opportunities for dialogue or for tutoring. Um, but So you've got a shared language. They're mm-hmm. in a place where there's religious freedom, but they still have the connections and the social network mm. and the culture and the language to reach back into their own home cultures. Yeah. So if, you, if we win one, uh, one person from, from Sudan or from mm-hmm. Somalia or from Saudi Arabia, or from Bhutan, mm-hmm. or Afghanistan, that person may have a huge family and friend mm-hmm. network that they may still very likely be in communication with on a regular mm-hmm. basis. I've been uh, studying and meeting with a Somali man who's been living in the U.S. for most of his life now. Wow. Uh, probably he's early 20s, and mm-hmm. he's been here more than a decade, and I know. Mm-hmm. But he is still actively on WhatsApp groups and Facebook mm-hmm. groups in with others that are of Somali background that mm-hmm. aren't all in the U.S. They wow. Some of them are still in Somalia. Oh, wow. So <laughs> if we reach one person like that, that may be a person that becomes like mm-hmm. an Apostle Paul who mm-hmm. can spread that, that spark mm-hmm. to a huge number of people in places that we couldn't go. Wow. It really is then reaching the world next door. 
That's that's the idea. And and I love how Ellen White in that quote that you shared earlier, she says God has thrust them into our right into our, our very, very arms. arms. He's put them at our very doors. It's it's not a they're they're somewhere else. God uh-huh. has actively thrown them, and He's hoping that we will catch the the opportunity. That's amazing. Well. So we talked about the religious backgrounds of these people and how if we can win one of these refugees or immigrants to Christ, what they can do for their own people in their own countries is so much more than what we could hope to do just trying to learn language and get through the cultural barriers. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about some of the needs that these people have when they come to a country like America or I'm originally Australian. Sure. A lot of immigrants also come to you know Australia or England or different European countries. What needs do these immigrants and refugees have that we can reach? It can it can vary widely. A a refugee may be in need of a huge number of things. Mm-hmm. I met uh, just in the last few months a, a family that had moved from Afghanistan, mm-hmm. and they were basically put into an empty apartment <laughs> without finances oh, and wow. without much local network. Um, so over wow. the weeks, they slowly gathered furniture as people brought they them furniture. And they didn't. So we, I was able to be part of sharing some some kitchen supplies with them mm-hmm. and some uh, get looking finding people that donated mm-hmm. some some beds and other things that were useful to them, uh, a, a a coffee table for their living room, mm-hmm. and we actually don't easily share language, but we have. <laughs> We've developed quite a, a, a friendship. The, mm-hmm. One of the of their children speaks some English, and mm-hmm. it's clear that we are welcome in their home, um, received very warmly. Um, mm-hmm. So different things that they've needed are range from a, helping with getting health insurance or or health mm-hmm. assistance, paperwork, and of any sort, um, driving licenses, right. job search, job applications. Uh-huh. Um, navigating uh, government and and school systems, yeah. um, some those first arriving there there can be things even as as basic as as learning how fixtures in a house work. <laughs> uh, one of one of my friends actually was uh, at a, a student at the mm-hmm. the training center that I have been working with uh, described when he was a refugee mm-hmm. uh, coming and not knowing how to open a door oh, because wow. he had not used a doorknob before oh wow so simple things that we don't uh-huh. think about anyone ever learning mm-hmm. but they are that huge navigating a different uh-huh. world um but and then also language language right uh, um that's a big one as well and, and i guess that the needs might be different based on the people group so you know someone who is a refugee from syria mm-hmm. they've lived in a house of doors yes but someone who's a refugee from sudan May not have. He may have spent. He may have spent his whole life, life in, in, in a refugee in a tent camp. camp. Right. So that their their needs are abroad and diverse. Yes, and and so the the real thing is is simply being present and building trust and, mm-hmm. and listening to their their needs because one person may need something and the other person may have that mm-hmm. already well taken care of, um, but but friendship and unavailability. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I like how you mentioned friendship, I guess, for those listeners and for us who have moved to countries. Uh, it's amazing when you go to another country and then you suddenly realize 
I don't have a network. Right. I don't know people here. And that is a very real need. First off is just social contact, right? Right. Um, so tell me now like about some organizations. And you know, I I live here in, in America, but I'm honestly I'm not sure I know of an organization other than Reach the World Next Door that would help me to be able to connect with some of these people. How can a young person say, like, I wanna help out, I wanna do something in my area? How do they get in touch with that? Well, there that's a that's a really good question. Reach the World Next Door would be one one mm-hmm. option. Where is Reach the World Next Door? Reach the World Next Door. The training center itself is outside of Houston, mm-hmm. but there's also a website that has information on how to reach out, mm-hmm. an online training kit at reachtheworldnextdoor.com. Mm-hmm. There also have some other websites that might point you to, I mentioned peoplegroups.info. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a, a website that tracks where people are in the world and right. um, not just their their place of origin but also where they've migrated to and where migrated to. and where you who you might find say in Seattle or that was peoplegroups.info mm-hmm. okay um, um, about reach the world's website reach the world next oh perfect yeah yeah uh, are there any other uh, ways that someone can reach out you have to be part of an organization. You don't have to be part of an organization. Um, you a, Another contact point might be to look up refugee resettlement agencies. Mm. Uh, right now, the flow of refugees has really been slowed down, just mm-hmm. national immigration policy. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are still refugees that have come in in the past and are still here, mm-hmm. and there's still a trickle, uh, and it could pick up again mm-hmm. uh, as things change. But that if you look up, there's... Probably in any decent-sized mm-hmm. city or metro area, a, at least one refugee resettlement agency, and oftentimes they are they are looking for very very welcoming to having groups adopt people as they come in. So mm-hmm. that that could that could include welcoming them at the airport. You may be the first face that they wow. see as they show up, and then being there as their their family, their social support, mm-hmm. helping them set up their apartment helping them navigate mm-hmm. this uh, how do I how do I learn my way around where's the store where are good places to buy mm-hmm. things um, what just all of these new questions if you've if you've ever moved and been in an <laughs> right. unfamiliar place that are amplified when it's across languages and cultures mm-hmm. um, and many times groups that would adopt could be it could be a church group or a mm-hmm. Sabbath school um, or just a group of friends that that says we're willing to do that, mm-hmm. and then the refugee resettlement agency could put you in touch with someone that they are coordinating who's uh-huh. coming. That's great. That's really practical. I notice that everything that you know can be done. It's very practical stuff that anyone can do. Really, mm-hmm. I mean, anyone can help someone meet them at the airport, for example, right? right? Or or help someone set up their house. I, I love how practical that is. Um, let's just bring this this podcast to a close and I was just wondering if you could tell me in in one or two sentences the why about getting involved why should a young person like myself get involved with ministry to refugees and immigrants there's a lot of different whys mm-hmm. um, well we just we read one that it's a, it's an opportunity that God has put in our hands mm-hmm. uh, to make a huge difference mm-hmm. uh, there's also as we, we mentioned, as we work with God 
and put our lives in his hands, mm-hmm. it changes us too. Uh-huh. But if we love Christ, we can't help but want to share that with others. Oh, yeah. And as we share, that love grows. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if you want to have that more vibrant life as well, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe you aren't feeling at this moment just compelled to go out and share with others. Mm-hmm. But if you begin sharing in even this, just the practical ways, and God will grow those opportunities and grow your joy and your walk with Him mm-hmm. as you let Him grow and work in your life. Right. So to summarize, the why is really about for them and for us. And for us. So God can work in both of our lives. Right. Thank you so much for taking part in this interview. We really appreciate you coming here. And for those who are listening, if you'd like to get involved uh, with Reach the World Next Door, that was reachtheworldnextdoor.com. Thank you very much. Thank you. Much appreciation for David Scow's contribution by sharing with us. I hope you have been challenged, as I have been, to look around in your local community for opportunities to make an eternal impact.